0: Everybody say, my awakening. I am in the flow. We are in the flow. We're moving with God. We won't watch. We're moving. Here's the declaration. I'm going to read it to you. I would hope you don't spectate as I read this, like feel this. You, you might like close your eyes, put your hands on your heart and receive this as a prophetic declaration over your life. Um, some of you have been taking this and doing it on a daily basis. Um, there's, I think there's copies out there. You can get a copy of this on our website. There you go. Scan the QR code and you can get your own copy. You can pull it up on your phone right now and read along. Here it is. This year is our year. It is our year of crossing over into what God has for us. This is the year we see God move supernaturally. Everybody say supernaturally. In us and through us. Bethel is crossing over in 2023, moving forward in 2023. We will not hold back. We will not sit idle. We will not be hindered by obstacles or spiritual blockades. Just as the Lord parted the waters of the Red Sea, and stop the flow of the Jordan River so that Israel could cross over. Everybody say cross over. So he is parting the waters before us. What seems impossible is small to our God, which means what seems impossible is small for us. We declare this over our lives, that this year, 2023, is our year of crossing over through uncommon anointing, divine encounters, and supernatural promotion and breakthroughs. This is my year of uncommon anointing, an anointing like I have never experienced before, an anointing that I have never expected to come on me. It is my year of anointing at a deeper level with the purpose of seeing God do signs and wonders not only in me, but through me. Everybody, put your hands up like this. Say, there's miracles in my hands. Woo! Not just in me, but through me. This year I will witness with my own eyes. And hands, even my words, miraculous moments that I could never see on my own. What I once thought to be impossible will be made possible by God this year. Come on, somebody needs to hold on to that. You need to grab, like, there's been some things that you've looked at in your life that you think are impossible. ha ha! It's a very spiritual. You can find that in the Bible. ha All things are possible. Yes. To who? Him who believes. Do you believe it? If so, say yes. yes. This is my year for divine encounters. In 2023, I will experience marked moments that will change the course of my life and my family's life forever. Let me just interject here. I was listening to the last night of the revival of Asbury, The Awakening, and I was watching online because they made, they kicked the old people out and they said, Gen Z gets priority to get into the room because it started with Gen Z and Gen Z was getting priority to be able to be in that room so that they can carry it. Everybody say carry. And I'm watching and one of the guys got up towards the end and it was kind of cool because he was pretty Pentecostal for being in Asbury uh, Chapel. Uh, it was funny. And um, he got up and he just kept saying, God, mark, mark them, mark them. mark," And he was Like the anointing God, the power of God, mark them, and that's the night that there was like 200 different colleges streaming in online. Marked moments, and that interesting that that phrase that I don't know if I've ever heard my pastor use came out of like before that all started. Marked moments. Everybody say marked moments. Just as God showed himself to Moses in the burning bush, I will receive visions, dreams, words, and prayers that will become landmarks in my life to remind me of where God has brought me from and where he is taking me. Look at somebody and say, you ain't done yet. You're not staying where you're at. I will experience God's voice in an undeniable way as Holy Spirit leads me deeper moment by moment. This is my year for supernatural promotions and breakthroughs, a year of accelerated promotion. This is the year that God begins to move me into things for which I never thought I was qualified. Oh, my goodness. You don't have to be qualified. I mean, it's a little cliche. It's been around a whole lot. God does not call the qualified. He qualifies those he calls. That means everybody in this room is qualified, just like Med said. There's something on the inside of every single one of you. You don't have to be ready. You don't have to be smart enough. You don't have to be gifted enough. You just have to respond in obedience. Everybody say yes. Yes. Don't say yes to me. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. Say yes. yes. This is the year I see my calling supernaturally increase. This is the year that I see my that, that thing I wanted, become this thing, this thing that I'm living in. The year where what I've been believing for finally comes to pass. In 2023, I will see a supernatural breakthrough in all areas of my life. God is taking me from level to level, from glory to glory, from faith to faith. This year, I will see increase like never before, promotion like never before, breakthrough like never before. I am no longer waiting for God to move. I know he is moving, and I am stepping into all that he has for me. This is my year to become all that God has called me to be. Yeah. Who wants some of that? Who's ready to cross over? If so, say yes. Now, I can read that, and like you can woo-hoo and shout a little bit. But there's a difference between hearing that and receiving that and then activating yourself to move into it. God is not going to move you into that. You must participate. Everybody likes, I love Christians, but some of us, I did this for years, we pray prayers like God's going to do it all for us. And if you read through the Bible, all through the Bible, are there miracle signs and wonders in the Bible? Yes? Yes. And are there At times where God divinely intervenes and he does something that involves no man, no woman on the earth. Yes. But if you read the Bible, just read it. Don't take my word for it, but read the Bible, you will find that the vast majority of miracles in the Bible occur when a man or a woman partners with God. When they do their part to participate in the miracle that God wants to bring. There is always a step of obedience that God asks us to take. How many are ready to take some steps? Yes. So I want to I start here. I'm going to recap some things that Pastor Marion said last week. But I'm going to give it to you really succinct, because what I want you to hear is he said the same thing five different ways. By the way, that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing because I'm pretty sure that all of us didn't get everything he said last week. Because when I was reviewing this and preparing, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so important, so vital. So here's some of the things he said. He said this, he, he was creating a uh, definition and a contrast between a move of God and an awakening. And he said, a move of God is personal. Everybody say, that's me. And then he said, an awakening what many are using to, to label what's happening, for at, what started at Asbury is continuing to happening, some are calling it a revival, some are calling it awakening, some are calling it an outpouring. I'm going to use several different terms here. An awakening is the individual blessings of his glory. So we're talking salvation, discipleship, healing, miracles, etc. plus the great commission to the nations. So you can go to one service and have a move of God and like, oh my gosh, God did something in me. Like he moved me. He spoke to me. He gave me a message of encouragement. Like, man, I was part of a move of God. But an awakening by definition doesn't stop with you. It just starts with you. Everybody say, I'm the starting point. Pastor Marion said, I believe that God has opened the well For the third great awakening, study history. There's first great awakening, second great awakening. And he said, I believe God has opened the well for this third great awakening. Do you realize the significance that literally down the road, literally down the road, God has begun a supernatural move that has spread to the nations of the world already. Like, somebody get excited about that. Like, that is, you're in the midst of something. Look at somebody say, you're right in the middle. If you don't like talking in church, you won't like my preaching. Sorry. The first goal of God the Father is to establish a family. Again, saying this a little different way. To initiate relationship with individuals and grow a spiritual family of believers. Like you, everybody say me. You, you are God's first goal to initiate you. He wanted to bring you in as part of his family to say, that's my boy. Look down out of heaven, and said, Tony Literal, my boy, the one I'm well pleased in, the one I love, I love Tony. And if it's just Tony, I would have sent my son to the cross for, to die for the penalty, penalty of his sins so that he could be brought back into right relationship with the father So he could expand his family. God's first goal is salvation and redemption. To bring you into the family. If you're not in the family yet, we might welcome you in before you leave today. First goal, establish a family. Second goal, for his family members. Everybody say, that's me. If it's not, we'll take care of that before. For his family members to carry his DNA to others to come into his family. Say, I'm the starting point. You become part of the family. And then he says, oh, now they're stamped with my DNA. I stamped Jay with my DNA. And now everywhere Jay goes, he gets to carry that DNA of redemption, of wholeness, of joy, of being who God designed him to be. Everywhere Jay goes, he's carrying this family-ness of who he is. As a child of God. This is something that I've heard Pastor Marion say for decades: the anointing is in me for my sake, but on me for the sake of others. It's in me for my sake. Could everybody just everybody in the room raise your hand for a second? Just everybody. I'm not gonna make you stand up or anything, just everybody raise your hand. These are all the people that need the anointing of God on you because you got issues. (laughs) You you need you some Jesus. And we don't graduate from this work. So it's not like you get all holy and sanctified and then you don't need the anointing of God on you for your sake. No, you need Jesus. There's been some things you've been trying to do on your own that you ain't never, got my pastor's anointing on me, that hillbilly vernacular, that you ain't never going to take care of on your own. It's in you for your sake, but it is on you for the sake of others. There's some people that need the Jesus on the inside of you. You can't be selfish and hold that all to yourself. You're just the starting point. Say, I'm the starting point. So how does an awakening work? Again, I'm repeating things from last week very intentionally. I want you to see that you're the starting point. Number one, the awakening, it Reestablishes the DNA of God, His Godlike nature and power in individuals. And number two, then those individuals take the DNA, nature, and power to disciple and transform nations. Pick the language you like. I'm saying the same thing over and over again so that you understand that I am the starting point. Everybody say, I am the starting point. Starts with individuals. God cannot awaken a nation, He cannot awaken nations if he doesn't have individuals awakened first. And I'm gonna read this. This is the reformation God desires, and it will happen as God captures the hearts of men and women, and he redeems them individually, and then with redeemed and powered and changed hearts, those individuals carry it into government and the structures of society, that's an awakening. So we we can't really know for certain if what started in Wilmore is a true awakening because that's gonna take time. It's gonna take a whole lot of people who are the starting point to walk this out, to continually surrender to God, to become more like him, to carry whatever God has put on the inside of you everywhere you go, to realize that you have a responsibility. Everybody say, I have a responsibility. One more quote. He said, you cannot bring order if you're not in order. You cannot bring order, i.e., you cannot bring awakening. You cannot bring revival. You cannot bring redemption to others if you are not first in that intimate relationship with Father God. If you haven't first accepted the love of God to redeem and make you whole, to take away the guilt, shame, and condemnation out of your life. See, if you're not in order, you can't bring order to others. Now, like there was last week, there was a whole lot of amen in and Ooh, yeah, when pastor said that. I got a little bit this morning, not quite as much. But here's what hit me, even last week when that happened. I was like, whoa, they were loud. You're not in order, if you can't bring order, if you're not in order, amen, hallelujah. And sometimes we like to amen a thing, Without counting the cost of the truth, we're amen. Put your hand on your chest. Say, I am the starting point. Order begins in me, holiness begins in me, redemption begins in me. You, me, we're God's design to carry an awakening to the world. Now, when an awakening happens, there will be resistance. Do you think the devil is going to allow an entire generation to be awakened to the love of God and the goodness of God and the power of God and just like, turn a blind eye to that. Is he going to do that? Yes, or no, 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 he's not. He He's going to create resistance to stop what God has begun. Guess who gets to choose what you do with that resistance? Everybody say, I do. I do. There's a, a book that I love by a guy named Stephen Pressfield. Uh, He's a believer, but it's not like a spiritual book. The book is called The War of Art. If you're a writer, an author, a creator, you should read the book. Um, but anybody ever heard that statement that uh, art imitates life in society? Very case in point. So very powerful principle. But he defines this word resistance, um, which I'll read some scripture here in a second. But listen to this. It says, he says, resistance deforms our spirit. It stunts us and makes us less than we are and were born to be. If you believe in God, he says, and I do, you must declare resistance evil, for it prevents us from achieving the life God intended when he endowed each of us with our own unique genius. He says, the rule of thumb, the more important a call or an action is to our soul's evolution, or might I just say, to our own personal awakening. The more important it is, the more resistance we will feel toward pursuing it. Resistance has no strength of its own. Every ounce of juice it possesses comes from us. The devil has been orchestrating generations of resistance. Gen Z, he was trying to stunt their growth, to make them believe the lies that they're less than who God designed them to be. To make them believe they're less than. Was that just isolated to Gen Z or has anybody else seen some other folks? You know, not you, of course. Resistance is real. That's why Ephesians 6 says this, a final word. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Everybody say resistance. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. The devil is shaking in his boots about what has begun in the earth. Do you guys realize how crazy that is? What God has begun in the earth, and it's like down the road. Can I encourage you, if you haven't slipped down to Wilmore, I know it's like so, so far away. Fifteen minutes from our door, okay? Just drive through. Because there's a residue of the anointing of what God's doing. It's biblical principle. God is doing something. So how do you overcome resistance? Ephesians 6.13. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Devil ain't got nothing on you. Some of you... Some of you feel more beat down than others because you've heard so many lies for so long. And when you grab hold of the truth of God, there's an awakening that happens on the inside of you because it's not about you being perfect. <laughs> no perfect people in the room. If you are, you won't like our church. We got some, anybody else? jacked up, got some issues in your life? Come on. Yeah, we like to keep it real around here. Perfect people don't fit in. People that are on the journey, becoming who God designed them to be, that refuse to settle. People that want to change the world and be a difference maker. Any of those in the room? (laughs) Woo! So I want to talk to you about two essentials for your awakening, because that's what we're talking about. Like this, we're talking about crossing over and we're Who's to start with? Who's the starting point? You. Me. I am the starting point. And so if we're going to overcome resistance and step into this awakening that God has for you, listen. It can't be an awakening. It must be your awakening. Everybody say my awakening. My move. Say I am part of the move of God. Say this and get it. Take it. Say I am The move of God, your awakening. Essential number one, just gonna give you two. Essential number one for your awakening, for it to be real in you. Full and joyful surrender. Full and joyful surrender. Now, some of you were in church on January 1st. We had an evening service that night. I actually preached about surrender, full surrender added that word joyful. Mm -mm -mm. How many want some more joy in your life? Joyful surrender. The Bible talks about in Hebrews 12 that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. See, when you're going through resistance, there's going to be some tough stuff. How many right now got some tough stuff going on in your life? Jesus gave you a guarantee that trouble's going to happen, but he said, take heart because I've overcome those troubles, overcome the world. So I think sometimes we get so stuck in the process and the hard stuff that we forget there's joy on the other side. When you're going through hell, don't stop. There is joy on the other side. So three quick little things that I want to give you about full surrender. Number one, it requires, if you're going to have full joyful surrender, number one, it requires trust. And trust requires deep relationship with Jesus. I'm going to read you a couple verses. Habakkuk 319 in the Amplified. I love this. The Lord God. Everybody say the Lord God. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure like Heinz feet and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. See, see if I get into full surrender, those first few words are really important, the Lord God. When you read the word Lord in scripture, you should just replace it with the word Surrender. Because he cannot be my Lord unless I'm fully surrendered to him. It's not Mark's plan, it's his plan. It's not Mark's armor, it's God's armor. It's not Mark's strength, it's his strength. And see, I don't get that unless I fully surrender to him. And so he's got to be Lord. You know, I, I shared this before, but my word for the year, like I think that was the week before the first, was literally God just said surrender. My word last year was forward, which you heard that in that verse. And I was like, forward, forward, forward. And I went back and read this verse. And God was like, hey, you missed the most important word in there. Because I was, literally, I preached a whole sermon. I went back and read it. I was like, I was preaching all this forward, 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 all this stuff. But I missed the first three words, the Lord God. And God was like, if you want to move forward the way you want to move forward, the way I want you to move forward, you better start with, Everybody say surrender. So that was my word. And then I slipped over to the awakening happening at Asbury that started there. I'm sitting halfway back in that center section on the end. And do you know what God, word God spoke to me again? Surrender. Is anybody aware that surrender is not always fun? Yeah. I mean, advance, forward, yeah. Surrender. And interestingly, Parker and I have had conversations, and he was hanging out in that Asbury Awakening. You know what word God dropped on him? Surrender. Surrender. Maybe it's not just us. Maybe we have a tendency in our fast paced, go get 'em culture society to want to advance before we get God's input on where we're going. Stop giving lip service. And make it, listen, you got your own ideas and inventions. How many good at like telling God, here, God, here's a good plan for you. I know I've prayed this 50 bajillion times in the last 48 hours, but God, here's the step-by-step plan of how I think might be best for you to work things out in my life. You're good, but you're not God. It's just like one letter difference, but very significant. Trust him. How many have tried, it to do, tried to do it your way and it didn't work out so well? How come there's only like half the room raising your hand? <laughs> I will preach the other sermon on lying. But if we do it his way, he smooths some things out. Some of you are blaming God for the mess in your life and he's like, that was your, not mine. I, that's not my fault. You gotta own that. Because listen, if we try to do it our own and carry it on our own and put on our own armor, you know, like have enough money and savings and have all the plan B, C, and D so that if it doesn't work out when I stepped out in faith, then I got a backup plan. See, if you try to carry it on your own and make it your own, guess who's gotta carry it? You do. But if you just say, all right, God, I surrender my ideas, my inventions, my aspirations. I surrender it all. I repent because I'm not as smart as you, even though I act like it. You only do that if it fits for you. It's appropriate for me. Trust. Everybody say trust. The next one is this. this is, we're talking about full joy, full surrender. What do you got to do? First, you got to trust for real. Look at somebody say, for real. Stop messing around and acting like you're trusting and coming into church and looking pretty and saying I'm a Christian on social media but not trusting him. He must be all. There cannot be a plan B. Trust. Number two, you gotta learn humility. It is a requirement for you to have full joyful surrender. The word God, pride comes before a Fall. The Holy Spirit before destruction. Surrender those plans. Stop acting like you know it all. Stop acting like your plans. Be- By the way, I know I'm coming across a little harsh because this is how I have to talk to myself. <laughs> Ow. I, I hurt. Sorry, Lenny, I just hit the mic on my bald head. Good thing I didn't cut my hair, Miss Pat. Might be the first time I've stuck my tongue out at someone from the platform. I repent, Lord. Listen, I had the blessing. I was in a, in a room with a guy named Trent Shelton, uh, believer, motivational speaker. If you haven't heard his stuff, it's really, really good. And I'll, I'll drop a couple of things he said uh, the other night. And He said this. He said, you have to surrender everything you want to do, surrender everything you want to do for everything you are called to do. Because sometimes what you wanna do is not what you're called to do. Shall I read it again? Or? Sometimes what we wanna do is not what we're called to do. Surrender, humility. His ways are higher than my ways, Isaiah 55. His ways are higher than my ways. His plans are better than my plans. Now, the other side of that is with humility. For some of us, we're going to surrender everything we want to do. Hold it with open hands. Say, God, it's yours. And it's going to hurt and it's going to be gut-wrenching. And we're going to let it go. Remember, Pastor Marion shares the story of when he and Pastor Steph were dating. And um, he literally, I remember many of you have heard this story, but he literally God was speaking to him, convicting him, and saying, hey, that's that's your relationship. That's your plan. you got to surrender that to me. And he pulled off the side of the road, bawling his eyes out. And he said, in so many words, I don't know exactly, but like, okay, God, she's yours. I surrender this relationship to you. And then God said, okay, now you can have it. Which we're all really grateful that that was the case. Because he can't sing as nearly as well as her, so. Sometimes you're gonna surrender it and it's gonna be gut-wrenching and hard and you might bawl your eyes out and you might wallow for a little bit and God's gonna say, okay, I just needed to know I had your heart. I just needed to know that that thing didn't have you, that relationship didn't have you, but I have your heart. And so we've gotta have the humility to let it go. Everybody say, let it go. And the last thing is, number three under Joyful surrender is obedience, which requires aligned action. Aligned action. And see, this is the point, and I said this before, but I think in church, obedience is taught way too much as a passive position. God's gonna tell me what to do, and then I'll obey, but it's kind of slow, kind of passive, kind of lacks confidence. But if we're truly obedient, if our heart is surrendered and we've humbled our heart, when we're obedient to God, it is going to require of us bold, audacious, world-shaking movement. Action. Faith without works is? It's dead. We've got to move. Which leads me to the second thing I want to push in on. Oh, wait, let me share this with you because this is kind of cool. The word surrender appears 9 to 12 times in the Bible depending on the translation. In the Old Testament it's mostly like references in war. In the New Testament it's like 0 to 1 times depending on your translation. So this is the word surrender. However, in the word obey appears 206 times. But the word Lord which requires surrender and obedience, the word Lord appear 6,749 times. And you see this contrast in scripture of people that use the word as a religious term and then those that actually have surrendered their heart. Matthew seven twenty one. not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who, the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Everybody say, do the work. So you can't surrender without getting into action. So in order for God to fully bless you, you've got to fully surrender. Now, that's a good amen, but in order for God to fully bless you, it requires full surrender. Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then... All these things will be added unto you. See, full surrender before full blessing. And some of you are mad at God because he hasn't done the thing that you told him he should do the way you told him to do it and the timing you told him to do it. And he's like, hey, bro, I got it. Like, I'm ready to bless. I'm ready to pour it out so much you can't even contain it. But, But I need your heart. I need full surrender. I need, like, he may give you back that very thing that you want, But he has to have your heart first. See, a surrendered heart is what protects you from the greatness being unleashed in your life. See, if he gives you all that success and abundance and blessing before your heart is surrendered, it will destroy you. Sometimes the success and abundance and blessing is actually the resistance of the enemy because he knows you're not ready for it because your heart isn't surrendered enough. Literally, when Prophet Andre was here, he basically prophesied that over me. He's like, yeah, God would have blessed you. He, some, like the Prophet Trout and Prophet Andre, like they're so good at like, like rebuking you and telling you you're a schmuck, but it feels nice kind of, and then you walk away and you're like, what just happened? He's like, literally, he's like, yeah, God would have blessed you years ago, but you weren't ready for it and you wouldn't have handled prosperity well. Selfish much? I wasn't surrendered enough. And a surrendered heart is what protects you when he begins to pour out the blessing. And so now this is where we flip the script here because full, joyful surrender. Everybody say full surrender. If you're fully surrendered, then and only then can you move to essential number two, which I'm gonna do super fast, don't get nervous. Actually, I don't care if you get nervous. Essential number two, refuse To settle. Trent Shelton said this the other night. He said, settling is the foundation of all suffering. I don't mind if I do say it again. Settling is the foundation of all suffering. You were not created to settle. You are a king's kid. There is greatness running through your veins. You're you're part of the bloodline of kings. God did not create you to settle. He created you for greatness. Three quick thoughts. Number one, he did not create you to settle in your connection to Abba Father. What's the Bible say in Revelation? Be hot or cold because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew, vomit you out of my mouth. He didn't create you to settle. He created you to be hungry. And Matthew says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they maybe will be filled. Sometimes, occasionally, they will be filled. You have as much of Jesus as you want. Religion is not going to fill the void in your soul. In fact, just so everybody knows you're not alone because some of you think you're unique. How many of you in here would say you've experienced a significant level of church hurt? Christians who did stupid stuff and they call themselves Christians. Look around the room. Just keep your hands up for a second. Look around the room. Half the room, easy. Listen to me, every one of you that raised your hand. Jesus has never hurt you. Jesus has never let you down. And some of that stupid stuff that people did and they said it was Jesus, wasn't him. And you can hold on to that church hurt and allow it keep you, to keep you separated from God himself, from the love of God, the unconditional father. You can do that for the rest of your life and say, I got hurt in church and they did this and they did that. Listen, people are hypocritical and stupid and mean and goofy. Sorry, God. God made him in for greatness. Listen, people didn't hurt you. You've got to let it go. Do not allow people and what they did to hold you back from the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. He's a good God. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And all he needs you to do is say, yes, okay, God, I'll receive your love. My son... Um, I went through a season where frustration and anger were a big part of my life. Y'all wouldn't have known it, but my wife and my kids got leftovers. And it would start with frustration, and then it would turn into anger. And sometimes I would get loud. Sometimes I would power up just to get what I wanted. And I, I wouldn't have said it out loud because it sounds stupid, but I was living as if it was going to be my anger and frustration that changed the people I loved and cared about. And so, if one of my boys would get upset, I would just get louder and more upset. Not a recommended parenting technique. And I had this transforma- transformative moment where I realized this belief that I was really living in, and I decided to flip the belief. I realized that's not biblical, that's not God, that's not serving me and my family. And so I decided to align with the word and I just started, instead of anger and frustration changing, I said, it's my love that changes everything. And I had this one little practice when the boys were younger and they would get upset and throw tantrums or they'd just be mad at me. I'm sure your kids didn't do that, but mine did. And they would get upset and in the past, I would... I'd go right there with that negative, angry energy. And God just one day, he said, just love, love him. And so I, I would grab Jack or Hudson. This one was more Jack in that season. And I would grab him and I would hold him. And I wouldn't say anything out loud, but I was, my love changes everything. My love changes everything. My love changes everything. I would just hold him until he didn't have any fight left. And he'd know that I loved him. And I feel like some of you, half the room that have been in church hurt, and you're angry, pardon the expression, but sometimes you gotta call it like it is, you're pissed off at God and people. And I hope that today God just grabs you. you don't have any fight left. I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And My prayer is just that you'd let go of that fight, that you'd let him love you, because his love wins. His love changes everything. Stop fighting it. Stop letting other people rob you of his love for you, because you're not going to feel peace and wholeness and joy. You're not going to feel any of that external stuff is superficial and temporary but the love of god is forever and i think part of this awakening that god has begun it's a reminder that it's not about people or religion or organizations it's about jesus and it's about his love and his love is perfect and it never fails his love never fails people will fail you but his love will never fail you. Just close your eyes, put your hands on your chest. Say, I receive his love. I receive his love. I choose to let go. I receive his love. God, I pray that your love wins in me today. I receive your love. Jesus name. Don't settle for a mediocre, distant relationship with Abba Father. He's a perfect father, He loves you. Settling is the root of all suffering. Don't settle for your home, not being anchored in a God that loves. Don't settle for it. Fight for your home. Fight for your marriage. Some of you are settling in your marriage. Stop it. Some of you born again, blood bought. Part of the bloodline of King's believers are living in toxic relationships. You're living in dead end jobs that you dread going to. You're living in poverty and lack. You're living without purpose. I love you. Stop it! You're a king! It's time to start living like it. don't settle. Listen, don't settle for just being a observer in this space here. Trent Shelton, he said this. I'll, I'll wrap up with this. He said there's three kinds of people in the world. There are watchers. There are wishers. I'll tell you the third one in a second. There's watchers. The the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible, they were the watchers. Watching other people live into their purpose, their destiny, and their calling. Are watchers positive or critical? (laughs) Oh, some of you know, some of them. And they will criticize and critique from the sideline, the watchers. And they'll, Monday morning quarterback and they'll talk about the church and they'll, they're will they the watchers. The watchers, the watchers. Then there's the wishers. The wishers, they, they're wishing and hoping a prayer. Wishers are buying a lottery ticket but not starting a business. Wishers are wanting their job, boss to pay more but not doing an excellent job with the job they already have. Wishers want that relationship that they've always dreamed of but they're not participating in it at all. You know, you actually got to talk to someone if you won't meet them, right? Whether it's digital or in person. Listen, online dating is not a lack of faith. Good golly. Like half the people I meet now, like, met online. It's beautiful, it's awesome. It's the world we live in. Sorry, tangent. That's for somebody. The watchers. The wishers, and then the third category, the workers. The workers, people that are willing to put in the work, do their part. Remember I said that earlier? The miracle that you got to, God, what's my part? How do I partner with you? You've got to do your part. You've got to do your part. And the Bible says, Let's bring this back, kingdom. Let's bring this back to how do we get to carry this to the nations? Maybe we might just start at home because the Bible says that the harvest truly is plentiful, but the the workers, everybody say workers. The workers are few. Everybody see I'm smiling. I love you so much. I love you. Look at somebody say, he loves you. Okay. I love you so much that I want to say this. If you've been a watcher as part of this spiritual family or a wisher that God would move in your life as part of this spiritual family, it's time to get to work. No longer to come and go and spectate and consume and observe other people putting in work. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work. It's time to get to work in, in the house, right? It's time to get to work. That's why we, Meg was talking about Be Kids Littles. There's all kinds of areas for you to serve. We got a dream team. I mean, who doesn't want to be part of a dream team for Pete's sake? I mean, that's just cool. God created you to be a worker in his field. Now, of course, being a worker in the harvest field does not, is not limited to this local church. But it's a pretty good place to start, folks, to contribute, to serve, to discover your giftings. Look at somebody and say, you got gifts. And so I really want to encourage you to stop by those tables out there and say, I'm a worker. Some of you, I'm going to pray here in a second, you might need to repent about being a watcher. God made you to shine, my friends. Listen to this verse, Matthew 5, 16. This is again the voice translation. It says, you are like that illuminating light. Let your light shine everywhere you go that you may illumine creation so men and women everywhere may see your good actions and may see your creation at its fullest, may see your devotion to me and may turn and praise your Father in heaven because of it. You made to shine. Woo! You made to shine! Not just flicker. Shine brightly. And that's what we do. Is we, Listen, whether it's in your life, some of you have been watching in your own life. Stop that. You got calling and destiny on your life. Stop living below God's greatness that he placed on the inside of you, okay? Some of you have been watching in your family. Stop that. It's time to get to work in your family. Some of you've been watching in church. Stop it! It's time to get to work in the church. It's time to get to work. Start with full surrender. All right, God, I'm humble. I don't know it all. I'm going to trust you. 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 I'm going to lay down my plans, and then go to essential number two. Refuse to settle. No more settling. No more lack. No more toxic, no more dread. It's time to get to work. Why don't you stand up to your feet? And I wanna ask you a question, because rarely a service goes by where we don't do this. Do you know how much God loves you? Like he loves you so much, and you don't have to get cleaned up, you don't have to be perfect, He loves you just the way you are. And again, maybe he could just wrap his arms around you and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Some of you have been fighting it for a while. (sighs) Just let it go. Close your eyes right now. If you're in this room and you're ready to let God love you, maybe you're ready to come home. Maybe you've been so distant from him because of some of that church hurt or following your own plan, trusting yourself more than trusting him. I don't know what it is for you, but if you're in this room and you're ready to say, okay, God, I'm going to choose to trust you, to make you Lord of my life. That means trust him with everything. For some of you that's gonna mean letting go of that hurt and accepting his love to heal your heart. But to be clear, this is a moment to say, I'm coming home to Jesus. I want to be in relationship with him, whether you've been distant or you've never done that before. You want to begin a relationship with Jesus or return to that relationship and allow the love of God to win in your heart. Jesus, I pray you give him courage to respond right now. So if you're in this room and that's you, and you want to say yes to the love of God, not to church or religion or no, no, no. To the love of God that is unconditionally—it's unconditional for you. He loves you, and if you're here, you need to say yes to Him on the count of three. I just want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna pray for you right where you're at, so that His love can win in you and in your heart. On the count of three: one, two, three. Just slip your hand up. I'm gonna pray for you. A lot of hands, a lot of hands. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. His love wins. His love wins. I love that some of you, you've been in church your whole life, but I think some church hurts getting healed right now. Hallelujah. Come on, don't miss your moment to let it go, to let the love of God come in. If you need to raise your hand, raise it up right now. One, two, three, raise your hand up. I want everybody in this room to pray this prayer right now with those that have raised their hand. Say, Jesus, it's your goodness. That's leading me to repentance. I choose to let go of the hurt, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, so that you can make me whole. I choose to repent of my sin. The stuff I know, the stuff I don't, I receive your love now to make me whole. I believe that your love is greater than anything. And I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.